Welcome to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for about the next hour or so. Some news as we come into the show. The Yankees have now officially lost again. They have now won one game in their last eight. They lose 4-3 to the Seattle Mariners. Aaron Judge hits his 45th home run of the season, so I guess there's some positives there. But the Yankees have gone from the hottest team in baseball to one of the worst teams in baseball. They cannot score runs. They're having a genuine, genuine problem doing so. It does almost seem like a lot of the issues this lineup has always had are starting to come back around. Welcome to the Nightcap here on WGR. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about, well, sports documentary series. And I specifically say that because Hard Knock started last night. The Detroit Lions, you know, Dan Campbell, he's kind of the star. I didn't watch it live last night. I watched it later this morning. I was under the assumption it started at like 8 or 9. And then I looked it up and it started at 10. And I'm like, oh, I'm not staying up for that. I'll watch it in the morning. And that's what I did. And I have no problem saying that. But the reason I say that is because as much as, you know, hard knocks can kind of be repetitive and sort of like, all right, it's the same shtick. There's going to be a, a few camp guys who like more than half of them will get cut. I'm going to fall in love with them. They're going to be like this great story. And I want them to make the team. And I follow their career for like six months. And then depending on the season, the head coach is kind of a joke or it's an up and coming coach. And you're kind of excited to see where that goes. And, you know, the team's building up. Sometimes you get lucky and there's a rookie quarterback, and that's exciting. But I'll tell you, I'm addicted to the series. Not even just hard knocks, pretty much any in-season, off-season sports docu-series. I love them. Another one I'm watching on Amazon Prime is the All or Nothing series. I'm a big soccer guy. I do enjoy soccer a lot. It's one of my favorite sports to watch. I love the history, the sort of... um, I guess almost the passion around soccer. I think it's I think it's really really interesting, kind of how that stuff goes, and, and just you know as I think as, as passionate as American fans are for football, soccer fans in Europe, and in South America, and most of the world are just on an insane level, and I'm so fascinated by it. But the series I'm watching on Amazon Prime, All or Nothing, it's following the Premier League team Arsenal throughout their entire season. Last year, so they're re- releasing it now as the, as the new season is getting started, but they're taking a look back. At, you know, they, you know, the cameras were there all season and all this stuff, and I'm just I'm so fascinated by it because I think realistically, as much as I think fans believe they know their teams, I don't think we genuinely do a lot of the times. And so I put up a poll just to see you know to see where people were at. Would you ever want the Bills on Hard Knocks or now their new thing, their in-season spinoff? The Colts were at last year and the Arizona Cardinals are going to be at this year. And I'm surprised at how many people are actually saying yes. It's about 35% no, 65% uh I'm sorry, 35% saying yes, 65% saying no. Hard Knocks has never been one of those things that like good teams are on. And I think now, contractually with HBO, the NFL has basically said, like, yeah, you can't have a playoff team. You cannot have a playoff team on it. Because they'll say no. That's the thing. You ultimately have to say yes to hard knocks, in a way. But there's a group of teams, usually if you haven't made the playoffs in like two or three years, you have the number one overall pick, stuff like that, that you, you, you can be put forward to be on hard knocks. And I'm fascinated by it because as much as it is a TV show and it is a dramatization, the cameras really never shut off. And you do get a genuine look into 
teams, their coaches, and stuff like that. And just, you know, preparing for last night, I was watching clips and stuff like that of you know past Hard Knocks seasons, kind of like reliving some of these fun memories and going like, man, what happened to that team? How'd it go? And stuff like that. The one that always gets me is the Cleveland Browns with uh, Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator, Hugh Jackson as the head coach, Freddie Kitchens was the running back coach at that point. And you like look back at the team and you're like, oh man, it was a disaster, wasn't it? Like the funny thing, I mean, that was Baker Mayfield's rookie year, which was you know a big thing that you know they had just gone zero and sixteen. Baker was the first overall pick, so Baker already was a lightning rod. And it was interesting to look back at that season. I mean, some of like the you know the bigger moments was you know the fight that Hugh Jackson and some of his coaches had uh, earlier in camp and stuff like that about like how they were going to be and stuff like that and you know, guys and, and their health and stuff like that. And it wound up being like Hugh Jackson was just completely wrong. Like, he just didn't – and everyone thought that at the time. Like, everyone thought, like, Hugh Jackson was being ridiculous and, like, this. well, this is why they're losing a lot. Todd Haley rolling his eyes. And, like, everyone's like, this is going to be a disaster. And it was. I mean, Freddie Kitchens – or, uh, excuse me, Hugh Jackson was fired pretty soon after that. And, and even then, you know, I'm looking back and, like, him talking about, like, how Tyrod's going to be their starter and Baker's going to sit. And like, he never had any plans of really putting Baker in ever – it's just it's so fascinating to like look back at this. Like Todd Haley's not even coaching in the NFL anymore. Not that long ago, he's an offensive coordinator for a team that you know. Yes, they had just come off an 0-16 season. There was perceived to be a lot of promise for that Cleveland Browns team. It was so interesting, you know. Going back, some of my favorite ones are the Jets teams with Rex Ryan. They come off that was still when they could have a playoff team coming in, which was super interesting. You know, going back and like seeing like how the Rex Ryan era, I guess, like that's when it went off the cliff. They get back to another AFC Championship game, but that's when it just really started. Like, oh, what is this? It was Rex Ryan's second year. That's where he starts. You know, the whole we're going to the Super Bowl, we're going to win the Super Bowl. They're much better that second year. They go eleven and five, but you could tell like Mark Sanchez really didn't improve, and most of like that Hard Knocks really did zero in on the fact that he's not improving. He's not that much better. Most of the season is dealing with Darrell Rivas holding out. It's just I, I like that kind of stuff. But what I really like is that all or nothing series. And looking back at a team throughout the season. I think another episode drops tomorrow. I think there's three right now. And there's a bunch of other seasons. They've done one with uh Tottenham Hotspur, uh Manchester City. And I want to say one other one. I think it was Manchester United or Liverpool. It's one of those two. But even if you don't like soccer, it, it's such a fascinating look back to see these seasons and to see, like, you know, um, something I've always noticed, especially in sports, is the British media is so much more aggressive. There's not really, you know, beating around the bush. I, there's almost never a softball question. It's always horribly aggressive. And something that also got me into soccer and, and just, in again, sort of the culture of it, something I wish sports like hockey would actually implement more is how quickly coaches are fired. It is something that is so fascinating to me that these guys could come in, they're the new coach, they take part in what is essentially their free agency period, the transfer window, bring in a bunch of new players, some excitement in the team and stuff like that, and they'll start the season with like two losses and a draw, and if they're at a big club, they can get fired, and no one would bat an eye. People would be like, yep, Probably should have been, should have been earlier. And they just bring in like a new person. And it's just like that culture is so crazy to me, but that's why I enjoy watching these in-season documentaries because it gives you kind of like more of a glimpse. There's another one on Netflix, Sunderland till I die. Another English team. that's just, 
going through the relegation process and and you know they used to be a Premier League team, but they constantly were just surviving and surviving and surviving, but never getting better. Like it was very clear, like if one of these decisions does not go their way, they're going down. And they finally did, and they and they've never recovered. They're in League One now, which is the third division of English soccer, and they've and they've never recovered. They're trying to, but they've genuinely never recovered. And it is interesting to see all that. Just because we, we don't have that in American sports. And I wish we did. I like that Hard Knocks is doing their in-season look you know, at a team. But with that being said, I also don't really care about the team they picked. Which is strange, right? I mean, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Like Everything this, this offseason has been insanity. This team cannot keep their head on straight for even five minutes. I've been you know vocal about how I feel about Cliff Kinsbury as a head coach. I'm a Texas uh, Longhorns fan for college football. I've seen enough Cliff Kinsbury for me to know that he's not a good coach. Um, I've now seen enough in the NFL from I feel confident saying he's not a good coach. Kyler Murray, what what even is going on there? I mean, we all know the talent is there. He is one of the elite athletes in America today. He absolutely is. There's not no doubt about that. And when he's on as a quarterback, he is spectacular. There are very few quarterbacks in the NFL that can do what he can do on his day. And on his day, past like week six, becomes an anomaly. And so a part of me is kind of interested. The only time I was genuinely interested in the Colts, because I super skipped the Bills game, was their last game. When they botched the playoffs and get, you know, Ran over by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was I was so fascinated in that. I knew the moment that game was going on, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to check out this week's episode. So maybe it is a good idea to make it the Arizona Cardinals. But going back to my original point of why I wanted to talk about this, is would I ever want the Bills to be on this? Clearly with their in-season one, it doesn't really matter if you've made the playoffs or not. The Arizona Cardinals are coming off a playoff appearance. They're in the documentary. So would you ever want the Bills on it? I'll tell you right now, in the offseason, absolutely not. I, I don't want that. It's just, it, it to me, especially, even though I like Detroit this year and I like Dan Campbell as a coach, I love the coaching staff they've developed. I didn't even realize until the, um, the episode last night like just how many former NFL players they have on there. Mark Brunel, Antoine Randall, Deuce Staley, just it, it was you were just rattling off guys that you're like oh my gosh like and uh, no, and a lot of them didn't play necessarily during my heyday of watching football I'm kind of living through that now but like I know who Mark Brunel is I know who Deuce Staley is I know who, I, I absolutely know who Ran, Antoine Randall is Calvin Shepard is on is on that coaching staff their linebackers coach former Buffalo Bill I mean like there's so many guys and then of course Dan Campbell himself is a former player. It is fascinating to me the idea of the Bills being in this sort of series. Number one, because I love the Bills embedded series and the Sabres embedded series as well. I think both are spectacularly done by the Bills and Sabres media departments. I think those are wonderful watches. They're about half hour, maybe you know, 15 to a half hour. And they usually dive into like a few months worth in that time. I mean, I think there's, you know, the draft one that comes out after the draft is essentially the entire offseason. Free agency into the draft, into the signing period, rookie camp, and all that stuff. So part of me is like, man, I love that, and, and 
Maybe I'd like that. Because I think realistically what we're going to see this year, especially with all the drama that's been going on with the Arizona Cardinals, is I think Cliff Kinsbury, number one, I think he will get fired. I think he will get fired this season. I think with them losing DeAndre Hopkins for the beginning part of the season is going to absolutely lead to him being fired. I have no doubts in my mind about that. I have zero doubts in my mind about that. He will be fired by... Um, I'll say, I'll say a little after Thanksgiving, I think he's gone. Kyler Murray, what's going on there? Does he kind of become aloof with the team? I He can get mad at the media all he wants because people came to an assumption about that clause in his contract. The fact of the matter is his team didn't trust him and his agent was scatterbrained enough to allow that into the contract. Your team wants to put in there that you need to study four hours a week on your own time so that your entire contract does not get voided. You can't tell me that that does not mean something. It it does. It does. And that's it's not fine, but to then ju- just try to avoid it, it, it came off as weird to me. It came off as very disingenuous by everybody. And that's why I think maybe the Arizona Cardinals could be super interesting this year. But the Bills, I'd be kind of... I'd be kind of into watching that, an in-season documentary series about them. I would. Namely, because after the AFC Divisional game this this past year against the Chiefs, we heard a lot of rumors come out about the Bills and what happened after that. You know, that people were irate. There was yelling. There was screaming. People were mad at the end of that game. I'd also like to see, you know, what happened after the Jacksonville game this past year. You know, why they go into it like that and what happened? What was everyone's reactions to that? Or the first Kansas City game where they ran through the Monero head with the rain delaying everything. Some of these stuff, I, like I'm looking at it and I'm like, I would actually genuinely love to see that. Because as much as I am a Bills fan, and I am, and I love this team, I am also into the entertainment factor of sports. That is half the reason I watch them is because I don't think there's a better drama than professional sports. And now I can absolutely add in college sports to that. There's no better drama. You can try to write one up. It'll probably be pretty solid if you've got a good degree and some experience. And you've got a ton of work experience in Hollywood or whatever. But in, in terms of real life. It's tough to find a, you know, telenovela or something like that in real life. But in terms of a drama that can move some people to tears, some people to rage and stuff like that, there's nothing better than sports. That's half the reason I got into it as a little kid is, is you love the entertainment factor and the drama and, and who the villains were and who the heroes were. I've been someone that has said this a lot, especially since I've gotten to WGR, is I would love to see the real Josh Allen. I would love to see the real Josh Allen because I think realistically he is just a PR's dream. He doesn't say too much. He doesn't say really anything too bad. He'll trash talk here and there. He did that especially um, in the uh, golf event him, Brady, Rogers, and Mahomes did. He trash talked. He started to show it a little bit. But we've really never gotten to see the real Josh Allen. I don't think so. I think he has just been such a great PR guy. I think we all know who the real Aaron Rodgers is, right? I think we all know who the real Joe Burrow is. 
I think we all know who the real Kyler Murray is. I want to see Josh Allen for who he really is. I think it'll be good. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a terrible thing where all of a sudden he is you know, a nightmare and you realize like he's actually super disrespectful to his teammates and his coaches, but when the cameras turn on, he's this great, lovable guy. No, I, I, think, I think stories would have already come out. I, I really do. I think that would have been obvious to see. But in terms of him like in the locker room, getting fired up, what he does beforehand, I mean, we've, we've heard stories about what he does before games, you know, throwing up, listening to Elvis music, stuff like that. Some of the rookies as well, like going through their you know rookie year. I'm somebody that really believes in Khalil Shakir and what he can offer this offense. I'd like to see him in the cameras. I'd like to see that after like a great game, how does he react? After a bad game, how does he react? Gabe Davis is going into potentially a career year, one that could cement him as a top 25 receiver in the NFL. How does he handle this? You can only get so much from quotes from you know in a press conference. These guys, especially the past 20 or so years, you find out really quick who's going to be a bust in the NFL basically by how they act in front of a mic. You can really find out. And a lot of that you know, goes back to Ryan Leaf when it was him and Manning and Ryan Leaf was just arrogant. He was cocky, disrespectful to everybody. After his first bad game, he snaps at a reporter, writes up a fake speech, and afterwards just kind of tosses it in his locker. There are three or four players in the NFL today maybe that would do that. Because realistically, the guys that would do that are not on NFL rosters. They don't have the same DNA to cut it a lot with a lot of these guys. Sometimes teams or agents or GMs or whatever will try to get rumors, you know, bad rumors out about guys. Stephon Diggs had, you know, this sort of label that he was just a cancer in a locker room. He was a me first guy and all that stuff. But since he's come to Buffalo, he's been nothing but spectacular, a great teammate, a great player, a great person in the community. But again, I'd love to see who these guys really are in the highs and lows of the season. Because yes, the Bills may be coming in as one of the best teams in the NFL, maybe the betting favorite to win it all. But that does not mean there's just a constant high. I don't think this team goes 17-0 and into the playoffs. I, I just don't. I think their schedule is too tough, and I think they'll at least lose four games. Where it is, I have no idea. I could try to pick the schedule. Probably not going to nail it. That's fine. But genuinely, I would want to see how this team handles adversity. Because for the most part, and this and this is a thing too, the Bills would have to be like told they're doing it. They would not. They, there's not a chance they would say no. Or there's not a cha- chance they would say yes. I, like I would, I'd be willing to bet like my next four years' salary on that fact that there's no way they'd say yes. They would have to be told, "Hey guys, like they're going to do it for Buffalo this year," because this is one of the like most tightly kept secret of a team ever, at least in my lifetime with the Bills or with a Buffalo team. Nothing gets out. Nothing. Unless a player leaves, and then maybe they talk a little bit, but even then, it's basically only what. The Bills want to get out or are comfortable with getting out. We've heard rumors after 13 seconds. We genuinely, truthfully, in terms of like actual definitive facts, have no idea what happened. And we likely never will unless this team wins a Super Bowl and then probably 15, 20 years from now. That's the best chance you're going to get. That's how you'll find out. So I would like to kind of put them in a position where you can't really hide. 
would it be a detriment to the team? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm saying this, I want this like after they've won the Super Bowl. I already want a Super Bowl for the Bills before I'd even think about this because it absolutely is a detriment to your team. I liked the Detroit Lions this year. I've said that a few times. I think they could be kind of a surprising team. Not necessarily maybe a playoff team in the NFC, but definitely a surprising, tough out for everybody. I think especially once Jamison Williams gets back, the rookie wide receiver out of Alabama, who, by the way, changed his number to nine today. He got personal um, a personal okay from Matthew Stafford. Um, I wouldn't have picked nine. I think a lot of people know how I feel about numbers in terms of, you know, on a player's jersey. And I think that is just one of the ugliest wide receiver numbers you can have. And now two rookies so far out of the first round have, or, uh, um, you know, out of the first two rounds have picked number nine. And I, I couldn't be more upset. It's Christian Watson and Jamison Williams. And I just, aesthetically, wh- what are we doing here, guys? But that's neither here nor there. But I think Detroit is going to struggle a little bit because of hard knocks. It's it's tough not to. There are cameras everywhere. They want to make somebody a star. They want to make a few people a star. Maybe it's these coaches. These coaches have a ton of personality. They're all former NFL players. They, you know, it was a fun time where um, I'm blanking on the defensive coordinator's name, but him and Deuce Staley were just going back and forth at each other, yelling at each other, joking with each other when it was offenses versus defense. I mean, they were just going after each other, ripping each other. Just, it was like they were in their playing days again, and it was it was a lot of fun. And like you can tell, they're they're serious about that. They're genuine about that. But at times, it's just human nature that they would maybe sort of start to embellish a little bit because they're on camera. Who wouldn't? It makes sense. And maybe for the Bills, because there are a ton of big personalities, that can happen as well. And it would become maybe a distraction. I think that's just the nature of, of why good teams basically started refusing to do this. It's too much of a distraction. And then, as well, storylines themselves get created. Yesterday was the first episode, so the most you get is, you know, Aiden Hutchinson singing Billie Jean by Michael Jackson or, you know, the coaches kind of yelling at each other. Jamal Williams and his great speech in the huddle. He got very emotional. It's a very emotional team. That's about it. you know. And, and it's some Dan Campbell stuff, which is par for the course. I mean, that's he is going to be the star of this thing. But by episode two, three, four, if Goff looks bad and the coaches are clearly talking about it, that becomes a storyline. You kid yourself if these guys aren't watching it. Because again, I've made and I've made mention of this too. This is their moment. This is the moment where most people in America will actually get to see these guys. Every single game is on at one o'clock except one at twelve thirty on Thanksgiving. And they always get Thanksgiving. That's nothing new. But for the most part, this is it for them. So you you kid yourself if you don't think these guys are going to watch it. They are. And again, it's just they're going to look to create storylines. It is what it is. It happens. You look at uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix. A lot of the drivers are not happy to be on it. They don't want to be on it. Max Verstappen is finally going to come back on. But for the most part, they avoided it because they created drama and storylines. And Hard Knocks is, is better with this mainly because it's you know they only have a week they film a ton of stuff and then they basically cram it all together. But they always create storylines. Guys who get cut or guys that, you know, could make the roster, may make the roster. They build they try to build someone into a star to get people to watch. And that can frustrate people. That can become a distraction of itself. 
But so while as much as I would want the Bills to be on something like this, I think my initial reaction would be not a good one. I would not like it because it is something that I know for a fact would be a distraction and would cause issues. Maybe not in the locker room, just in terms of if they lose a few games early, you can likely have someone point back and go, "Mm, it was there, it was right there. They shouldn't have done the documentary. And I think especially for a team like Arizona, who is going to have a look in all season, what happens there with them when Cliff Kinsbury and Kyler Murray don't start off well? What happens then? I think seasons could get derailed with stuff like this because it is we are in such a heavy social media society now that stuff like this will never be forgotten. The fact that Kyler Murray had that clause in his contract will now never be forgotten. Where, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, it can almost become like an urban myth. That if that, you know, truthfully, and also that, it just likely would have never come out. It would have just been a rumor that somebody could have started, and it does it gets some traction in Arizona, maybe around the NFL circles, but nothing crazy. Now, mm, Kyler Murray starts playing bad. That's the whole thing. And it won't be any better with cameras around him, with getting genuine reactions. And if players start getting frustrated, somebody will say it. Somebody will do something, and then what? Then you got issues. So as much as I love this stuff, as much as I I think I'd be interested in seeing the real Josh Allen and a lot of these players really get to be themselves, I think the the best action is to just not be involved in it and just watch other teams. I think that's the best way to do it, is to enjoy it and hope and pray your team never gets involved. We're going to take a quick time out, and we come back Preseason games outside of the Hall of Fame game are officially starting tomorrow. I want to dive into what I want to see, not just from the Bills, but other teams around. Second-year quarterbacks, rookies, and all that. That's coming up here on WGR. Welcome back into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for about the next half hour or so. Before we move on to the preseason, I want to get connected to our fans. It's brought to you by the law firm of Gelber and O'Connell. They take your personal injury cases. Personally, Eric tweeted in about you know if he'd want to see the Bills ever on Hard Knocks. He said, absolutely would. Love seeing all the inner workings of training camp, hearing what coaches are yapping about on the practice field, the personal stories of the young guys and watching the meetings. The show is a home run. I just think, I mean, like that's what I want. It's like the personal stories. I want to know who these guys are. I just, I have an issue of it potentially being the Bills because I know Hard Knocks serves as a distraction. And I know for a fact the in-season one will absolutely be a distraction. So, I mean, that's that's where my fear is. But continuing on, what I want to talk about now is with the preseason games starting tomorrow and the two games that are on tomorrow is the Giants and Patriots, that's going to be on NFL Network, and then the Titans and Ravens, that is probably just going to be those local broadcasts. But I do know the NFL Network is basically going to replay every single game, which is not too surprising. So what do I want to see this year in the preseason? Mike Shope talked about this a little bit earlier on the show today, that he may be the most excited for the preseason he's ever been. I don't know if I'm there, but it's definitely something where like I do want to watch the preseason more. I think because I know for a fact that the Stars, for the most part, will not play. For a long time with the preseason, it was always like, oh, well, who, who will play? Like, who's gonna, are we going to even see that guy like at all? Aaron Rodgers... 
any of the Rams players, now for the Bills, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, any of those guys. And now it's pretty much like a definitive, no, likely you won't. So now I'm kind of into it, especially as somebody that watches a lot of college football. And probably in the coming weeks, we're going to talk a lot about that on the nightcap, just you know, college football. Texas, by the way, as a Texas fan, did get a number one vote in the inaugural AP poll. Uh, don't know who did that. That I would have advised against, but neither here nor there. So what do I want to see this year in the preseason? Number one, the second-year quarterbacks. Mainly because there's really not a rookie quarterback I care to watch this year. Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, those. I mean, those guys could be fun to watch. I have no faith in Kenny Pickett. I think some people who've heard me know how I feel about this. He's wearing two gloves. I don't trust that in terms of being an actual like elite quarterback in the NFL. Peyton Manning did it because he literally couldn't feel his fingertips. Outside of that, it's not a good thing. Teddy Bridgewater, very solid backup. That's about it. But it's the second-year quarterbacks. I think especially because Trey Lance, sort of the reviews coming out of training camp for him, a little up and down, but he's going to run a ton. Trevor Lawrence looks spectacular. In command, looks comfortable. Doug Peterson has clearly turned around like the feeling in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson, initially up and down, now very good. Justin Fields, who is he throwing to? I like I don't even I oh, I don't care how he looks. I want to know who he's throwing to. I'm genuinely worried for that poor guy. And then New England. Everything looks bad. Everything looks bad on offense. They finally had a good day of practice, I want to say yesterday, and it was just a fine day of practice. It wasn't even anything crazy or amazing. It just wasn't a tire fire. The Patriots gets the Giants first. And honestly, that game being on NFL Network, I'm oh, I'm tuning in. Starts at seven tomorrow. It's gonna be on while I'm doing the nightcap. I just we're we're gonna be talking about that game live, likely. Because you get Brian Dable, that's gonna be his first head coaching experience, but also it's because Daniel Jones himself has not looked that good at all in camp. I mean, there's a throw going around um social media that he just looked terrible on, but also it sounds like all of their wide receivers or starting wide receivers are not going to play. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, and Wondell Robinson all are not playing. So now you're wondering, well, is Daniel Jones going to play? But even not, if Tyrod Taylor looks good, you're going to have people clamoring for Tyrod to play and not Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is somebody that is going to at least get this year to try to turn it around, and I don't really know how Giants fans feel about that. Like, I'm more excited to see how Giants Twitter is reacting to the idea of, like, if Daniel Jones comes in the game, if, like, one bad throw is, like, there is there a large contingency of, no, give him time, it's a new system, or is it a lot of, no, I'm done with this, I'm tired of this, we need, a, we need somebody new. I'm of the camp, I don't think Daniel Jones has got it. I don't. Do I think Joe Judge helped him in any way? Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. But with that being said, I didn't think Daniel Jones was an NFL court, like starting elite NFL quarterback coming out of college anyways. I didn't think he had the traits. He was just, to me, a modern-day Eli Manning, which is effectively what they wanted. It was nothing new. That's exactly what the Giants wanted at the time. Titans and Ravens, nothing really there. Like, really, to me, it's, it's the Giants and the Patriots. I, especially for the Patriots... You know, how bad is this offense really? Like, how out of sync does it actually look? 
you know because of how bad it looks, I've got to imagine Mac Jones and most of the starters are playing. I've got to imagine most of them are playing. Because if not, then how are they ever going to get this fixed? When the offense is humming and it looks good a lot of the days in practice, you don't expect a lot of these guys to play. To be perfectly honest, on Saturday, I don't expect many of the Bill starters to touch the field. Because why would they? The offense, for the most part, has looked very good most of camp. Josh Allen's looked on sync. Gabe Davis, the reports, this is his best camp ever for, for the Bills. Stephon Diggs has looked good. The running game is getting better. The offensive line is finally starting to get healthy, which is spectacular to see as we get into games. But the Patriots have yet to have, genuinely, two or three good games in a, or good practices in a row on offense to show any sort of consistency, to show any sort of actual plan. And from reports that are coming out, it almost sounds like the, the Patriots want to change their identity to an identity that they don't have the skill players for, let alone the quarterback for. That they want to do something along the lines of what San Francisco does without a quarterback that can run or a quarterback that can you know, do bootlegs and stuff like that. There, there's nothing there. They have wide receivers that can't separate, that are all 50-50 guys. I want to see how bad this Patriots offense looks. I want to know if it's all you know, BS, I guess, in a, in a sense. I want to know if the Patriots are actually playing a game on everybody. Because to be fair, that game can only go so far. At a certain point, you do have to genuinely be practicing well. I don't think it's a game. I think they actually are preparing, preparing poorly. Along with that, Falcons and Lions. That comes up on Friday night. That's going to be the NFL Network game of the first one. Yeah, I, I want to see the Lions. They're on Hard Knocks. Because I know whatever happens there, I'm going to see on Hard Knocks. I'm, I'm going to watch that. The other game, Jackson, uh, Jacksonville Browns, that actually has some news to it that we got early in the uh, Show Bulldog show. Deshaun Watson is expected, that's keyword there, expected to start that game. If the NFL drops the hammer in terms of a punishment on him on Thursday or Friday, if it's an inf- in- indefinite suspension, he is out for that game. He cannot play. But so it's going to be interesting. I mean, even if he plays, the crowd reception, what is that like? How long do they keep him in, knowing that he likely will be suspended a while? Do they keep him in half the game, a few series, the full game? What happens there? Then Jacksonville, I've read a lot of reports. I read a few cover stories about just you know, what's going on in Jacksonville, how they look. I want to know if it's true. A ja- Jacksonville has already had one preseason game, the Hall of Fame game against the Raiders. They didn't play any really of their of their big time playmakers, specifically of course, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Both are projected to play against the Browns. So now a part of me is like, well now I want to see how Lawrence looks. I want to see does he look more dialed in? How's the throwing motion look? I've said this a few times with Lawrence. I think he takes too long to get the ball out of his hands. He winds up like a pitcher. So I want to see if that changes a little bit. Going down the list, Jets, Eagles. Um, Zach Wilson, really. I, I want to see how Zach Wilson looks again, continuing on with the second-year quarterbacks. The Eagles, I don't think Jalen Hurts plays, and I don't think really any of their stars play. So I don't expect much from there. But Zach Wilson, I just how does, does he look comfortable in the pocket? Um, is there more high moments than low moments? And also their right tackle position. What's going to go on there with Mekhi Becton now definitely missing the whole season with a fractured kneecap? What goes on there? 
Packers and 49ers is the night game, 8.30 kickoff on NFL Network. Jordan Love. Anytime I can see Jordan Love, I want to see him. I think is one of the worst draft picks in Packers history. Not because I thought Love was bad, it's because they were not capitalizing on Aaron Rodgers. Not even necessarily prime, just still playing well. Still playing really, really good. And instead they drafted a quarterback, and I think it may go down as one of the worst draft picks in NFL history. But, if Love can look really, really impressive in the preseason, maybe they can trade him for a skill position, for a first-round pick, something. Because right now, it just looks like they're going to go through his rookie contract and let him hit free agency, or try to trade him at the end of that and get like a third-round pick. We know Aaron Rodgers is basically not going to touch the field for the Packers this preseason. I would love to see Jordan Love take up most of the reps then. I think, number one, Green Bay actually needs to know what they have in him. And number two, the NFL needs to know what Green Bay has in Jordan Love. If Green Bay has something in Jordan Love, but not necessarily like you know great where they're thinking, all right, we can move on from Aaron Rodgers here, you can trade him. You can trade him for high draft picks. He's a quarterback. And I'm sorry, there are going to be teams like the Giants, who may be desperate. In your own division, the Minnesota Vikings may become desperate. Seattle may become desperate. Arizona, or not Arizona, Atlanta, Carolina, these teams could become desperate franchises that just, that, that we, need, we need a spark, we need a young guy. Josh Rosen got tossed around the league a number of times just because of the idea of a first round, you know, a genuine first round quarterback. And and we be, we'll be the ones that fix them, right? That was the, that was the whole idea with Josh Rosen, going from Arizona to Miami. I want to say then Tampa. Is that well? We'll be the team that does it. We'll be the team that fixes them. There's, there's never a team that fixes them. Like at the most you're going to get is like an average NFL quarterback that does nothing else for you. I can think of genuinely one time where a team dra- you know drafted a guy in the first second round. Traded him away, and it actually worked out for the team that got him in the end. That's Brett Favre with the Atlanta Falcons going to the Green Bay Packers. Did not work out for Atlanta. Absolutely worked out for Green Bay. But I want to see how these second-year quarterbacks look. I really do. I think a lot of them have gotten raw deals in the NFL, and now it seems like things are going better or they're stagnating, and I want to see how bad that looks. With Chicago and Justin Fields getting better, Trevor Lawrence... And Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets, I think, have so much high-end talent. It's just if Wilson can play well, then you can see how high-end talent that is. I think Elijah Moore is the sneakiest player in the NFL. I think that man is an all-pro receiver that just needs elite quarterback play. He has taken over the role for me from Terry McLaurin. McLaurin is one of the most underappreciated receivers in the NFL because he has no one throwing him the ball in Washington. I think Elijah Moore could become that, but I also think Wilson has the potential to not be that. I think Wilson has the potential to genuinely be a very good quarterback in the NFL, but I want to see it. And then, of course, with the Bills, to wrap up this segment, I want to see the rookies. I want to see the secondary. Khalil Shakir, how long is he playing and what do they have him doing? I don't know if Isaiah McKenzie really plays, so I want to see Jamison Crowder. I want to see James Cook, and if they really do try to give him the ball, not even just as a running back, but as a wide receiver. What does that look like? And Kyir Elam. He has had so, he's been somebody that has really been tested this camp. He's had to be CB1 the entire time. How does he look now against the Colts in his first game action in the NFL? The preseason is not something that counts. It's incredibly boring at times, and usually by the third quarter, 
most people tune out. But there are storylines to watch that I am interested in. Stuff that when the NFL Network replays a game, I will probably at least check in a little bit. But we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Yankees to wrap this up because, wow, wow, that team has become quite a disappointment. That's coming up when we get back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Quick final segment as we wrap up a wonderful Wednesday night. The New York Yankees. Where do I begin with them? It Straight up, I'll just say it right now, it's not June anymore. It's not June anymore. Oh, boy. August has been a nightmare. Officially, after earlier today, the Yankees have won only one game in their last eight. The Seattle Mariners are clearly a struggle for them, and they're not scoring runs. Aaron Judge seems to be the only one still producing, and even then, he's, he's basically now just hitting solo shots. That's what it feels like. Judge, to me, is, is going to win the AL MVP. He has 45 home runs now. But as sure as I was that he would get 61, I'm not sure anymore. And even then, I think if he does, the vibe with this team going into August and heading into September is just not right at all. I'm not a Yankees fan. I This is well known if you've listened to the morning show. I'm an Angels fan, which is a consistently painful experience. And I do fully understand I'm throwing rocks in a glass house I get it the Angels are not good although they did just sweep the A's so that's a first in my lifetime but on the flip side on the flip side of the New York teams the Mets have become a wagon I don't know the exact stat but I know Francisco Lindor now owns the Mets record for most RBIs in a season we're in August 10th that team has just become spectacular Good starting rotation, great starting rotation, a good bullpen, and the best closer in baseball in Edwin Diaz. Where with the Yankees, as good as Garrett Cole can be, he can be equally as a nightmare bad. The middle relief is not good. And while Joey Gallo is gone, the team has actually not been good since they've traded him. Where do the Yankees go from here? I'm not an Aaron Boone fan. I've never thought he was the manager to really make the Yankees serious again. But the Yankees, to me, have sort of now hit this Manchester United phase where years ago you were good and you are still the brand. But we are starting to get to a point. I mean, United is closer than the Yankees, but the Yankees are getting close to that. That there's just The brand will only get you so far and that eventually teams like the Dodgers and the Padres will be able to outbid you because they're just better and they're better run. The Yankees looked like an unstoppable force for much of the beginning and middle parts of the season. And now, as teams like the Baltimore Orioles really begin their push to make an AL wild card, they are just flatlining horribly. And I don't really know where they're going to go from here. I mean, we've gotten through the trade deadline, and since then they actually haven't been good. It's not like the Yankees have gotten better. But the pitching is not great, and the middle relief is not great. And the bats, at times, just go completely ice cold. A lot like the issues that this lineup always seemed to have, which was, it's a lot of bombers, but there's really no singles and doubles. There's no guys that actually hit to get on base. And that leads to just solo shots, like today from Judge, to take a 3-2 lead, and ultimately it didn't matter. The Mariners the next inning scored two runs and never looked back. 
The Yankees are one of the most talented teams in baseball, but they are absolutely getting in their own way. And it's going to be interesting to see how they how they finish out the end of the season with all the expectations. And with the fact that a lot of Yankees fans, at least the ones I've talked to, never really believed in this team. They always kind of felt like it was like a mirage. It was it was very strange. Where Mets fans, I think, have gotten more and more confident as the season's gone on, and, and to be fair, rightfully so. Yankees fans have not. It, the more the season has gone on, the more it's almost been like, ooh, they're winning too much now. Like they were going for the Mariners' record, or just it was going to happen, and that in and of itself was you know a bit of a bad luck kind of feel. It's always tough for me to stay into baseball when the Angels get eliminated from the playoffs, or effectively are eliminated from the playoffs, which is about now. But the Mets and the Yankees, for very different reasons, have actually kept me into the sport far longer than I normally am. And it's because I was rooting for a Subway Series, but in part as well, I was rooting for the idea that the Mets would be the team that represents New York, not the Yankees. And so far, it looks like it's teetering towards that way. That's going to do it here on the Nightcap on a Wednesday. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Showing the Bulldogs starting at 3. Joe Ostrowski coming on the show at 3.30. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow here on WGR.